Right, would you please join with me as we pray for our sermon this morning. Father, for this great morning that we have, Easter, resurrection, will you please speak to our hearts and minds, help your word be alive, and transform us to be more like Christ. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Well, good morning and happy Easter. So glad to have you here this morning. You know, something was different for my wife and I this morning. We got here about eight along with our daughter, which means we did not have to take our three boys and figure out how to get them out of the house. I don't know what it's like for you, but sometimes getting young kids out of the house can be very, very challenging. Thank you, Grandma, for this morning getting them out. I came across a series of tweets about working with your kids in the morning. Me, get out of bed. Four-year-old, no. Me, why do you fight me every single morning? Four-year-old, because you never learn. Six-year-old, mama, what shape are you cutting my toast into? Flowers? Animals? Me, triangles. It's Monday morning, kid. Lower your expectations. I guess shut up, it's Saturday morning, go do it yourself, is not good parenting. We didn't, have to, hey, we didn't have to get our kids ready for school this morning, and somehow we saved 4,827 minutes and added 11 years onto our life expectancy. You know, there are just so many things we cannot control, starting with even just trying to get our kids out of the house. When we look at our lives... No matter how much we plan or give, whatever preparations we might do, there's always things that are out of our control. What can we do about that? Is there anything we can do about that? As we open up the Easter story this morning in Luke chapter 24, we find that the women are not in a place of celebration like we are. We came in this morning just excited. They, on the other hand, the body, as far as they know, is still in the tomb. And what leads up to the moment they're in now, they have given everything. They have walked with him. They have planned their lives around him. According to Luke, they gave money to support his ministry. And so here we are on this morning, and let's see what happens and try to ask this, ask and answer this question. What do we do about all the things we cannot control? Luke chapter 24 and verse 1. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and they went to the tomb. So again, they're prepared. They are ready. Mark says they bought spices. I, on Friday, they were trying to prepare the body for burial, but because of the Sabbath... They were not able to finish. So they've been waiting all throughout this weekend until now when they get up early to go do this. Verse 2, they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. In other accounts, it lets us know this is one of the things that bothered them. As much as they wanted to finish, they weren't sure how the stone was going to be moved. But it's gone in verse 3. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. 
See, these women have come to a moment. And, and if you were to look back over just even the last couple of days, you would see how many things they could not control. They could not control one of their own betraying them. They could not control the Romans coming into the garden or the disciples fleeing and hiding. They could not control Jesus just giving himself over. Instead of fighting, they know how much power he has, and yet he just gives himself up. They could not control Rome beating Jesus, mocking him, eventually sending him to the cross, and even releasing a known insurrectionist, Barabbas. They had no control over this. They gave everything they have, they planned, they gave money, they did as much as they could, and yet they still could not control these things. And now on this morning, they come expecting to finish the burial, and the body is gone. They cannot even control the dead body being there. You know, last night... I went to bed at 9 o'clock. I was going to get a good night's sleep to come here refreshed and ready for Easter. However, my three animals had other plans for me. They conspired together to make sure at any one point there was barking or whining or meowing or a cat jumping on me up until 11 o'clock at night. I could not control even just trying to get a good night's rest because of my animals. There's so many things in our lives, even type A personalities. Got all the charts and the to-do lists, and there's still things that happen we cannot control. Life to me sometimes seems like this. A man named Kent Couch really wanted to fly. But for whatever reason, an airplane was not good enough for him. And one day, he saw a lawn chair, and he saw some balloons, and he got an idea. An idea that his wife was not real happy with. Ken decided that if you connected enough balloons to a lawn chair, you could fly. And he was totally qualified for this. Being a gas station owner who brewed craft beer on the side, this was the perfect guy to launch himself into the air in a lawn chair with 150 balloons. And it worked. He did it. And it made the news. In fact, a gentleman in Iraq read about it and decided he wanted to do it also with Kent. So we sent him a message. He flew from Iraq to the United States, and the two of them created a tandem aviation device. Yes, they latched two lawn chairs together with 300 balloons and launched into the air. Now, partway through this trip, as they were 11,000 feet in the air, moving at about three miles an hour, a wind blew them into a storm. They were forced to pull out BB guns, shoot balloons, and land their device in a field at which point they stepped off and the wind whipped it out of the way. You would think that would be enough, but then they decided they wanted to go ahead and move this thing to Iraq. Yes, they wanted to build their tandem aviation machine in Iraq and fly there. Apparently, Iraq does not have lawn chairs, so Kent shipped the lawn chairs to Iraq. 
Now, they did not bring the guns because his partner said, we have plenty of those in Iraq. They did this in Iraq also. Here's what Kenton said afterwards. As simple as it looks, hooking some balloons to lawn chairs is much more complicated. And there's so many things you cannot control, like the wind and storms. You just don't know what it's going to do. And that's kind of what I feel like with life sometimes. We set out all of our plans. We get it all ready. We put our energy, our money, our time into it. And it's like getting into one of these lawn chairs and launching up. And we get up there in the air and we're doing great. And then suddenly the wind comes. And we cannot control it. How about you? Ever feel like there's just things, no matter what you do, you can't control them? What do we do about it? That's our question. How do we respond? And my answer this morning is not to tell you how you can make sure you can control everything. That will not happen. It will never happen. However, we do have an answer. Look back at the text. Verse 4 of chapter 24. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. So the women are confused. They don't know what happened. They are wondering what's going on. You might, they might be thinking, are we at the wrong tomb? Did somebody steal the body? What's happening? We have no control. But then these men show up, and these men are angels. That's why their clothing is gleaming. Verse 5, in their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? Now, I, I don't, I'm not even sure they totally heard the question in their grief and their shock and their fright. And yet if they had, I can't help but wonder, if any of us might have responded to, the, to these angels with something like, I'm not. I'm looking for the dead among the dead. Jesus died three days ago. We saw him die. We saw him be buried into this tomb. He's not alive. But the angels seem to believe something very different. Something that is not natural. Verse 6, he is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? Do you remember this? The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. Now, we have to understand that this word remember, it carries something a little more than just recollection. So Jesus, three different times, told them he would die and he would come back. So it's not like that's information that they just completely didn't know. That there's something more of a gut level. Does this, let this sink in. Let this mean something. Let this change how you view the situation. Right? I, I mentioned to you our three animals conspired against me. And some of you might have gone, huh, he only has two animals. He did only have two animals until about 10 days ago. See, my daughter just turned 16, and for her 16th birthday, she got a puppy. Yes, we brought home a puppy because just what we need is one more animal in our house. 
So we brought this puppy home, and my wife and I were both wondering, how will our animals respond to this puppy? And so we bring this puppy home, we set the puppy on the ground, and I begin to video as the cat walks up to the puppy. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, this cat could do anything. Um, I would not be surprised if the cat attacked the puppy. The puppy's five pounds, the cat is like 20 pounds. This cat could easily get this puppy. In fact, the cat actually attacked our lab when we first brought her home. So what will he do? So he walks up, he sniffs, smells the dog, steps back a little bit, smells again. We're thinking, oh, I mean, this is going pretty well. And then he promptly walks away and vomits all over the floor. Now, if that had been all he did, it might have been okay. He proceeded for the next two days to just randomly vomit all over the place. And this vomit bug, he gave it to my lab too. My 65-pound lab who also vomited all over the place. My animals had a gut reaction to the change in our lives. Somehow they understood more than just at an intellectual level. This dog would change things. They knew that. That is the idea behind this word, remember. Let it sink in. Let it become your reality. These were not just fanciful words that he was saying. This is the reality of a supernatural being. It is the one who said things like this. One day, you may recall, he was, he'd gone and he had preached on Peter's boat. And the fishermen, the professional fishermen, had been out all night fishing. And they caught nothing. Jesus who has no experience fishing, said to these professionals, I would like you to put back out right where you were in the middle of the day when you can't catch fish at a place where you spent all night not catching fish. I'd like you to go ahead and put your nets out. And Peter was like, oh, Lord, I'm going to do this because of who you are. But he's got to be thinking to himself, there's no way. And yet they catch this gigantic haul of fish. This is the same guy who, when at one point he was out with all of these crowds, thousands and thousands of people, they're out in the middle of nowhere, and the disciples rightfully and logically say, Master, we need to send them away to get food. Like, they got to go out to the villages. And Jesus says, why don't you feed them? When there's a kid over there with a lunchbox, he's got a little bread and some fish. Just feed everybody. And they look at him like he's crazy. And then he gives thanks and he feeds all of them. And there's 12 baskets of bread left over. This is the guy who stood before the powerful Roman Empire and Pilate who had the power of life and death. We see it because he releases Barabbas and he scourges Jesus and has him crucified. And yet Jesus says to him, you'd have no power over me if my father didn't give it to you. Finally, this is one that has always struck me. There is a funeral procession. There's a grieving mother. Her son has died. And Jesus walks right up to her and says, stop crying. Now, in seminary, they taught us, you never do that. In sem- when seminary, what they taught us is when somebody's like this, you say, I'm so sorry. And you help them to grieve and go through it. But Jesus comes and says, 
stop crying. And then he walks over to the boy and says, sit up, rise, come back to life. And it happens. See, this is not a normal person. This is the son of God who has all control. After the resurrection, he says to the disciples, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. He has all control. That's what they need to remember. You see, Jesus has plans and power to fulfill all those plans. You and I and these women and every other human being on the planet, there will always be things we cannot control and nothing can change that, but there is nothing that is outside of his control. And he has planned all of these things and he has plans for our lives. As cliche as that sounds, he does have plans for our lives. There was a young man named Timothy Shea who wanted to propose to his girlfriend. They had been dating for three years, and during this period of time, this courtship time, they were exchanging letters with each other. And it wasn't a long-distance relationship. It was just part of the way they expressed their love for each other. And after three years, he invited her to go away with him. And she thought, this is the moment. He's going to ask me to marry him. And and one evening while they were away, he said to her, get ready, we're going to have a special night. And so she went and got ready, and when she opened the door, there were rose petals strewn from the door going down the hallway into the living room in the place they were staying. And so she followed them, and when she got out there, he had pulled out the 14 letters that he had written to her over this three-year period of time. Each letter carefully crafted, each letter The first letter of the first word was written in calligraphy. It was big. It was these beautiful letters. And they sat and they read them together to remember everything they had experienced over this time. And then when they finished reading them, Timothy took the letters and he lined them up so that that first big letter of each letter he had written, that calligraphy letter of the first word, lined up. There were 14 letters. They spelled out, will you marry me? He had been planning this for three years. He had planned every letter. He had set it all up for this moment. That is the kind of care and detail and love to an infinitely greater degree. Christ has put into your life. You will never be able to control everything, but he has all control, even the control over death. He is risen. Control over sin, you are forgiven. Control over the devil. There is no power that anything can have over your life that he does not have control over. And these women in this moment get it. Look at verse 9. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. This is a courageous moment for these women. You see, they cannot control the men's reactions. They have very little control in their own society. 
women in this first century Jewish culture were not even allowed to testify in court. But they're supposed to come and tell these grieving men that the Lord has risen. That this man they saw die came back to life. What gives them the courage to make that outlandish statement? Because they believe in all of the outlandish things that Jesus said because he truly rose from the dead. It has changed them at a gut level. They cannot control the men's reactions. In fact, look at them. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others who were, who were with them that told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women. Their words seemed like nonsense. They think they're crazy. They need to be locked up. The women don't care because Jesus is in control, and they believe that. Verse 12, Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. You see, these women could not control how the men would respond, but they knew Jesus was in control, and it gave them all the courage they needed to do whatever needed to be done. And even though the men thought them crazy, Peter still goes and checks it out. We never know what the Lord might do when we are willing to step out in faith, even when people think we're nuts. But the only way we're going to step out in faith is if we really believe he is risen. He has all control. We cannot control, but he can. And it's going to seem ridiculous and foolish. In fact, it's going to seem very much like what Jesus once said. You need the faith of a little child. What kind of faith do kids have? So I read this really funny story. Um, A a woman wrote this on on Twitter. Her name is Eliza Stone. and, And she wrote this because she got a call from her son's school, her son's elementary school about something he had did. This is what she wrote. Apparently, my kid got in trouble today for packing our toaster in his backpack and pulling it out at lunch to make Pop-Tarts for his class. See, her son, her elementary son, had, had gotten the toaster, unplugged it, pulled it off the counter, shoved it in his backpack, and he took it to school. At lunchtime, he pulls it out, plugs it in, and starts making Pop-Tarts for his classmates. He knew that some of his classmates were poor. He knew that some of them didn't always have food. And so he set this whole thing up. Now, as adults, we laugh because what we know is we would never do that. It's ridiculous. It's crazy. How many crazy things do our kids do because they just don't know better? We need that kind of faith. That is the kind of faith that even though we have no control, we know he does. And so the very things that seem crazy, ridiculous, all those things Jesus had told them to do, those are the kinds of things with that kind of faith we can step into. We will never be able to control the things in our lives completely. He always can. The message of Easter is he overcame the greatest enemy anyone has ever had he overcame the enemy that no one has ever overcome death why 
because he has all authority in heaven and on earth. He has all authority over the circumstances in our lives, and he has a plan. Will we trust that and step into resurrection life? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you that your son overcame sin, death, and the devil. That on Easter we celebrate the resurrection. And that it wasn't just what he did then. It's what he continues to do in the life of his people. Help us to have that childlike faith that knows we can't control things. And instead of having all of the anxiety and the fear or the anger that we don't have control... We surrender to the one who does. We ask all of this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen.